Welcome to the Boost Health Podcast, where we are searching for wellness balance. Your host is Paul Sandberg, a certified strength and conditioning specialist with nearly 20 years of experience in the health and fitness industry and degrees in human biology and business. At Boost Health, our passion is to learn and share new wellness tactics and help individuals create their own personal health strategy. Join us on this journey of being open-minded and trying new things. You can learn more at MyBoostHealth.com. Welcome to the show. Find your balance. Welcome to episode number 39 of the Boost Health Podcast. Today's show features special guest Lisa Tarauchi, founder of plant-based restaurant Confusion. This is the second part of the show with Lisa, and in this one, we discuss controlling type 2 diabetes with a plant-based diet, creating a positive culture in the workplace, why salads are not allowed on her menu, career fulfillment, living on a boat, why hardcore vegans are scaring away more people than they're drawing in to plant-based nutrition, productivity, and how Lisa finds her balance. Real quick, before we jump into the show, just a couple quick announcements. Boost Health TV. In case you haven't heard, Boost Health TV has launched. There are now several episodes of the Boost Health podcast that are available on the Boost Health TV YouTube channel. I'll link to this in the show notes and blog in case you want to check it out. And newsletter. If you haven't already signed up for the weekly Boost newsletter, you can do so very simply. Just enter your name and email into the form on the homepage of myboosthealth.com. This way, you don't miss any Boost Health news. All right, let's jump right into episode number 39, part two with Lisa Tarauchi. And we told him this and he knew, you know, he made the connection. He was like, yeah, I'm not scratching anymore. And we're like, well, why don't you cut it out? But, you know, because they're such fussy eaters, you cut out this one whole food group and then they're just like literally eating pasta daily, you know, and it was just terrible. So I said, oh, you know what, just give him the damn yogurt because otherwise he was eating crepes every morning. I mean, because he's a creature of habit. Yes. But at least if he could get his eggs and his yogurt, then that gave us one more meal that he could kind of eat. So we brought that back in and then, you know, he's happy, but he's <laughs> scratching away and he's got horrendous eczema again. So I just have to wait until he's old enough and then we can reason it out. Yes. I think that... You know, I was talking with Pete about this too, because he also works in nutrition. I was like, what's the secret? He's like, I, I don't have a secret. Um, just look at it from more of a macro level. And I think you'll be, you'll feel better about it because they'll eventually try new foods, but it's so tricky right now, just getting their total caloric intake so that, correct. Uh, you know, that that's a really good goal. And I was saying, you know, these kids of mine have grown three and four inches in the last year. So we're doing something right. Yeah. Like to your point, uh, just show them what you're doing and, and make reference to it without shaming. Yeah. Uh, And you know, if it's something they want to try later and make the choice themselves, then that's fantastic. All you can do is be a good example. Correct. I mean, they don't even want to see visible vegetables, (laughs) you know? So, so that's like, there's a piece of green on my plate. Yeah, No, literally. I mean, it's, it's painful and and it's embarrassing (laughs) because for me as, 
you know, somebody that owns a plant-based restaurant and everything, and my kids are coming to my restaurant, and they're like, Mom, can we go to the Pizza Hut next door and get a pizza? And I'm like, no. Right. <laughs> so, Like, yeah. you don't understand. These are the best plant-based meals in the world right here. This is amazing stuff. Yeah. And they're literally like, is this vegan? Because I don't eat vegan. That's like literally. <laughs> Say it really loud in your restaurant, right? Yeah. <laughs> Embarrassing. All right, so your helper, I keep getting you sidetracked. So your helper, she she switched, and so she, some of the diabetes conditions that she had, did it completely go away with her Yeah, diabetes? it went away. Oh, my gosh. I mean, um, she used to struggle with, like, you know, being tired and also with her weight, you know? Um, when we first hired her, she didn't tell us she was diabetic. Not that that would have changed, you know, whether we hired was her. Was she on but insulin I, then? Yeah, oh, she okay. was. Uh, she was on something that controls her blood sugar levels. Uh, metformin or okay. Um, anyway, uh, she was on that, but she didn't tell us. Maybe because she feared we wouldn't hire her. But you know, every time when we were cooking to eat, then she'd be like, "Oh, I can't really eat that, and I, I can't really." Oh, she was trying to eat very like high protein, low carb, and so then I said, "What's going on?" Because you know, if we're to eat, we're gonna eat everything as a family, and and when she told me that she has, oh, I you know, I've got blood sugar issues, and then then it came out that she was type two diabetic. And then straight away, I'm like, oh, my God, that's it. Nobody eats pasta. Nobody's going to eat this. Nobody's going to. And we, we were like trying to cut this down. But when I found out that you could change, uh, you know, type 2 diabetes through a plant-based uh, diet and that you didn't really have to control your carbs, it seemed like, what? It's, it what? Makes, they they it can makes... eat rice. They can eat potatoes. They can even eat pasta. It's incredible. And um, I don't think people would realize that. And so initially she tried to change to this plant-based diet and she was really avoiding pasta and avoiding rice. And I'm like, you're going to starve, you know, you go plant-based. I mean, you're really surviving on like 80% carbs, almost <laughs> like that, you know? I mean, you're, you're getting your veggies and everything, but if you're just eating a stir-fry veg without the rice, I mean, that's not enough calories. No, like you say, it's... the caloric intake, it has to be there. You're going to get fatigued. You're going to get, you know, you're possibly going to expose yourself to getting sick. Um, so she stuck with it and she's, you know, we avoided, um, anything but complex carbs. You know, we, we would have a brown rice or if we had a pasta, we'd make sure it was whole wheat. Mm -hmm. We did all these things. And at some point, and each time she'd be pricking her finger and checking her blood sugar levels. And she's like, she just kept going, it's normal. You know, it's, it's at this number. And she's like, it hasn't been at this number in, you know, years, Wow. So by the time she went back to the Philippines for a holiday, I said, you know, go to a doctor. I said, we'll pay for it. You just go get a full checkup. And the doctor was like, you're not diabetic. Oh, my gosh. You and know? this was after how long would you reckon? Um, of literally months. Just I mean, like months. she I think within within like a, a week of doing plant based, her blood sugar levels had completely normalized. It's <laughs> incredible. And so she kept saying, oh, sh should I keep taking the medication? And I was like, well, I would suggest you cut it down. She was on four tablets a day, you know? And so she cut it down to like one. And then by the time she went to the Philippines, the doctor was like, the doctor has kept her on the one because he's like, well, you know, you don't want to completely cut it out, blah, blah, blah. And for me, I'm like, really, you shouldn't even be taking that one. Yeah, maybe just stop taking it and keep ch checking your yes. blood sugar and see if yeah but you know resolves. it's hard to give up old ways of thinking right uh, yeah 
Yeah. You just believe that, but this is what the doctor said. Like, why am I going to believe Lisa? <laughs> right, right. You know, and for me, you know, I have friends that have had like thyroid problems. And then they've somehow like I talked to them about intermittent fasting. Um, a friend of mine that was quite overweight. And so she started doing this intermittent fasting thing. I said, you know, stop eating really late at night, first of all. And then just try and go 16 hours. Yeah. It's not really that hard. So she started to like, either have a soup for dinner or like completely skip dinner and she cut out eating late at night because in India, you know, people go party and then they eat at like three o'clock in the morning, you know, they just like, and they're not, not like a kebab type thing. It's a full biryani or like, you know, it's really heavy. So she stopped and then she started to lose weight just without even having to exercise, without having to do anything, you know? Um, but then she found herself getting like almost crazy, you know, like like getting severe anxiety and like struggle with sleep and all of this. And she didn't realize that she was still on the same medication for her thyroid problem, uh, her thyroid but had... her body weight had gone down. So it means the dosage had to be lower, you know? Yeah, and absolutely. so she was going through a period of thinking that she was losing her mind, you know? These medications have really bad, bad consequences for like... Your mind, body, everything. Absolutely, yeah. When people don't put the two and two together, you know, if you could just, come on, if you could find a way to get yourself off medication, why wouldn't you do that? Absolutely. But so many people are like, oh, I've got cholesterol issues. Um, doctor's going to give me the, oh, it's great. My blood pressure's all the way back down. It's all I have to take is this little tablet. And they continue smoking. They continue <laughs> drinking. They continue eating whatever they feel like. Because they got this magic pill. And the doctor didn't tell them, hey, don't eat this. Don't drink that. What did the doctor say? Just take this pill. You'll be fine. Yeah. It's it's the problem with Western medicine. Um, and everybody knows it. We're, I want to talk about CBD in a little bit. But there's discussions happening about that becoming... Um, a prescribed medication in the U.S. which would make it illegal um, to just be out on the market the way it is now. Yeah. Um, and that's a money thing. It's all about yeah. the pharmacy industry seeing a huge opening and, and just trying to you know lock it down for themselves. I follow, this, uh, I follow this stuff very closely in the news. You know, the legalization of marijuana, um, CBD, all of that. And how I see now that the DEA is saying synthetic uh, THC is safer than the real deal. Why would the DEA, and the DEA has put CBD on like uh, the dangerous drugs list, you know? Um, it's it's all in the back pocket of, of the pharmaceutical industry. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they got a patent on, on you know, trying to ensure that they can bring cannabis, synthetic stuff, into the market, you know? So you could cure yourself of cancer with like spending X amount, maybe 10 grand US, but now they're like, oh, yeah, we've got these cannabis pills. They're going to be great for epilepsy. They're going to be great for this and that. And it would cost you 35 grand. Of course. U.S. Um, of course. I mean, for me, even taking um, full extract cannibal cannabis oil while I was in Holland, the cost of doing that 60 grams to try to cure cancer is about the same cost as like one round of chemo. Wow. That's incredible. If, I mean, it feels like a lot of money. It's definitely not going to be covered by insurance, right? Sure. Um, but if that's what it was going to take, that's what you would do. You'd go to a legal place and you'd go and make it happen. Um, but 
yeah, it's hard. It's hard to change a mindset, you know. I mean, it's it's a paradigm shift that's it needed. Um, that's what I like. I didn't even know what a paradigm was <laughs> until I did the plant based nutrition course, and I was like, paradigm. Oh my god, this sounds like a really big word. It <laughs> sounds important. And then when I read read about it and I understood what it meant, I was like, yeah, that's exactly what's needed, yes. you know. And then you could use that word all across the board for a lot of things, you know. <laughs> just paradigm shift from like trusting in in doctors and medication to like not going the opposite direction okay not going like oh now i'm gonna hug trees and and like um you know i'm gonna go for a gong bath and and everything's (laughs) gonna be fine i don't think that that's the answer either i don't think that homeopathy is the answer i don't think that that you know uh traditional chinese medicine is the answer there's bits of it you know from the time of the druids or whatever that that they do work I mean, there are naturally occurring like uh, medicinal properties and everything from turmeric to cinnamon to licorice to, you know, but all of these things, you do too much of it, it's still going to be toxic to yes. you. Yes. It has a reaction, you know, I mean, like even lemons, you, you drink too much lemonade, you're going to get the shits. It happens. <laughs> right. I mean, it happened to me in Israel. I didn't realize how how drastically like lemon Lemon juice can like react with your gut. It's acidic. Holy yeah. moly. Yeah, it's bad for your bones. Yeah, too. I thought I was just thirsty and <laughs> I just ended up getting sick. Before we move on from, from diabetes, I wanted to share a little bit of science behind this. I mean, you obviously shared your, your domestic helper had tremendous results. Um, probably can even go off for her medication if, if yeah. she chose to. So this is in the Journal of Geriatric Cardiology. Um, I think it's... 16 or 2017, I'll put the link in the show notes and blog, but it said, um, this is quote evidence from observational and interventional studies demonstrates the benefits of plant-based diets in treating type two diabetes, like we we're talking about and reducing key diabetes related macrovascular and microvascular complications, optimal macronutrient ratios for preventing and treating type two diabetes are controversial. The focus should instead be instead be on eating patterns and actual foods. However, the evidence does suggest that the type and source of carbohydrate, unrefined versus refined, fats, monosaturated monosaturated and polysaturated versus saturated and trans, and protein, plant versus animal, play a major role in the prevention and management of type 2 diabetes. So it's not just about sugar, ladies and gentlemen. It has a lot to do with saturated fat, as you heard, and the type of sugars that you're taking. Yeah. Eating a whole banana or a whole apple with all of the fiber that, you know, mother nature intended it to have instead of squeezing the juice out of it and drinking it that way. Correct. Pretty cool stuff. I remember when we were moving to Hong Kong, I want to start talking about confusion. We, we haven't even talked about the really cool reason why (laughs) we've been brought together. We've got to make sure we hit it. Um, my friends were like, oh, you know, you're moving to Asia. It's going to be so easy for you to eat plant-based over there. And, you know, sort of the misconception about Asia in general is yeah. that it's kind of all it's the all same. It's all a land of stir fries. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's all stir fry. It's all veggies. It's easy. And Tofu. Rice. Yeah. And so, obviously, if you didn't know, uh, the different countries in Asia are vastly different in mm-hmm. culture and, and food and everything. So, Hong Kong has uh, has quite a bit of pork, especially in many, many of the dishes, which I learned after we moved here. And so I, I found it a bit tricky at first, uh, especially when I would eat out to, to find things. Although I've also found that most places are really um, pretty cool about it too. Like yeah. if I say I don't want pork, could you just throw some vegetables in there? 
they usually have to go back and ask the chef, but everybody's pretty cool with, at least in my experience, which is, which is nice. Um, when you first switched, it sounds like you cooked a lot, which helps. Yeah. Did, did you have trouble when you would, when you Eat first out? switched? Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, and still it's a bit of a minefield, you know I mean? Mm-hmm. Like what, what we made was like this rule or like just an agreement that as long as we stayed vegetarian when we ate out, then we'd be fine. Sure. You know, I mean, because you, we started off with the choice to go vegan was, uh, for health primarily and also for the environment, you know, we understood, especially after watching Forks Over Knives, then watching like, um, there was that other one, Cowspiracy. Cowspiracy. Um, great, we yeah. were like, oh, wow, the impact of our food choices on the environment, you know? Um, yeah, how many hundreds of gallons of water does it take just to make one correct, hamburger one patty? Burger it's patty. insanity. Um, and so from that aspect, you know, um, we didn't have the same sort of uh, this this feeling of guilt or this ethical dilemma or whatever about eating animals. We were thinking about it just more big picture. But there's a lot of vegans that go vegan because they love animals, you know. Sure. So um, now I no longer look at like a plate of uh, steak or whatever in the same way. Really, when I look at it, I see an animal. I don't see the meat, you know. Um so for us, initially saying, okay, we'll just stay vegetarian, as in like, if this has dairy in it, because that's the biggest one you've got to try to sidestep, sure. like the fact that it might have butter in it or whatever, which a lot of places, that's what they cook with. Why? Because it tricks the brain. It's very satisfying. Um, it's got all these, this is what people don't seem to realize, fat, consumption of animal fat or whatever, any kind of heavy fat laden dish is going to give you this feeling of almost like euphoria. Euphoria, yep. Um, and that's why when you go out to eat, most restaurants, they're not cutting down on the fat that they're putting into their food. They're actually upping it so that you're walking away from that experience going, oh man, that was so good. Mm -hmm. But it's a drug. It's not that the food necessarily was good. It just could have been super laden down with fat. Um, so whenever we ate out, we were like, let's just stay vegetarian. But then we found that even that became really tough, you know, because it would wreck our gut. Yes. Anything with dairy fat in it was like, so we stopped eating out. We would just eat at home. And because cause I like to cook and because I'm not a bad cook, you know. <laughs> no, you're not. Um, it was just an easy thing to just stay home. And generally, if we ate out, we would eat Chinese food. Oh, okay. Because that's an easy one to sort of sidestep any chance of dairy being in it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's possible to get, you know, tofu dishes, nice mushroom dishes, a lot of greens. I'm not saying that we could sidestep the fact that it's not organic, but we eat out so rarely because of the level of disappointment we <laughs> deal with on a daily basis if we bother eating out. That, that you know, the once in a while going out and having a hot pot or whatever and asking for only vegetarian stuff, that's fine. Dim sum occasionally. We know some places where you can get vegetarian one. It's rarely as good as you remember the meat ones being, but it's still like better than nothing, you know? When you, okay, so I want to, I want to move into confusion. And I think that's maybe part of the reason why you have some disappointment when you go out to eat, because you understand flavor and you understand spice and you're creative. Like I went in there, uh, I looked at your menu beforehand. It all sounded good. Um, I had the, your Beyond Burger um, and some fries and I had had the beyond burger, uh, at a few different places and it's always good, but you know, I think the, 
the different things that you put on there and the, the flavors that you put together with it. I'm, I haven't had meat for five years, so maybe this is an exaggeration because I just don't remember, (laughs) but I felt like it was on par with like the best burger I've ever had meat or non-meat. And I think that's really saying something because, you know, it's, I, I, I'm, I guess I'm a little different. Like I don't necessarily see the animal on the plate, although I'm really proud of what I've done sort of personally to protect animals by just eliminating it. It still sounds good to me. Yeah. So to be able to have this and feel like I'm having um, yeah. a meat product was, I told you at the restaurant, it was absolutely incredible. So, so let's talk about confusion. The food I obviously think is fantastic. <laughs> I went in there and I didn't know this, but you opened in May of this year, May yeah. of 2018. Yeah. You go in there. It's, I don't know if it's because it's smoothly operating or because of all of the people that I knew that told me about how great it is. I just assumed you've been open since 2015. (laughs) It is awesome. And we were sitting there, it was 1115 when you and I chatted at your restaurant. And, uh, and then by like quarter to noon, I was like, I've got to let you go. It's time to go take care of your business. Cause it was full. I mean, completely full. It was so great to see. So you told me from inception until you opened your doors, it was five months, which is just incredible to me because of, of how smoothly everything is. So Tell me just the story of the inception and how it all got started and, and your your vision with, with the restaurant. Well, you know, part of the reason that I opened this restaurant was because I wanted to affect change. Um, I had worked in uh, a restaurant prior to that, and um, I just remember being, like, unhappy with the way things that were run, unhappy with the way staff were treated, uh, unhappy with a lot of things. The pay, it, you know, my husband has a good job, so it wasn't even about the pay because my pay was terrible. So, <laughs> but I was like, yeah, I'm not doing this for the money. I'm doing this, uh, you know, so that I could learn something. And and once you get in there, F&B environment is just so like, everybody's so close together that you become family with the team. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of it, even if you hate your job, you don't quit because you don't want to quit the team, right? Because you know once you're gone, they're going to have it harder. And and people don't seem to care about this because they're like, oh, F&B's just got such a high turnover. And like, why does it have such a high turnover? Because people are treated badly. And then by the end of it, they they, they let down, they, they're even willing to let down the team. FAB's food and yeah, food and, food and beverage. beverage. But yeah. they're they're willing to let down the team because they're just that unhappy. Mm-hmm. So why is that? How can we change that? And I would look at like other establishments that were like say say Black Sheep Group or whatever. You see that they got staff that have been around for a while, you know. And you know by just doing a little bit of like asking around, and then they're like, oh yeah, these guys get paid X amount, you know. So pay matters. But so does your work environment, you know? If you're just made to eat your lunch standing up in a corner somewhere and as swiftly as you can before you have to get back to work, that's not the same as like eating your meal with your team. Right, absolutely. You know, it doesn't matter if all of you are just looking at your iPhones, but you're at least doing it together. Right. So these were the things that I wanted to change. You know, go back to the old school because that's how it used to be, right? That you took a lunch break and everybody sat down together and then you just cracked jokes or whatever. Or you just de-stressed for a bit. But I found where I worked before, we wouldn't even get that, you know, solid like, okay, here's an hour. Yeah, you're like you're an on hour. your feet the entire time, you know? I mean, Absolutely. 
if I can feel it and I'm turning 42, okay, I can look at these guys and I'm like, yeah, you're, you're two year, 20 years younger than me. I mean, you can do it. But it's hard on me. But it could be actually easier on me because I'm used to it. Sure. But it might not be that easy for them. So I'm always thinking about like, okay, how can I make your life easier, right? And sometimes they're like, no, 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 I got this. I can do it or whatever. I, I, I carry stuff up the stairs. I'll, I'll, you know, deliveries come in. I'm the first person to pick up that stuff, to take it. Why? Because I don't want anybody else doing my dirty work. You know, I could easily just tell the, the biggest guy, you go get it. Right. But, you know, he'll see me doing it and then straight away he'll come and help me. It's a sign of a good leader. Yeah. But servant leadership, you know, that's what it's called. But I didn't know that that's what it was called. It's only at some point I learned that, oh, so that's what I'm doing, you know. But I've always respected a leader that is willing to get their hands dirty. Yes. You know, not one that just kind of tells you what to do and then criticizes it when you didn't do it the way that they had in mind. That doesn't make any sense. You no. know, you show and then somebody can follow. But if you are always blaming others for things that go wrong, that's the sign of a bad leader. Yeah, it's, you could argue it's not even leadership, really. But that, I'm like a Jocko Willing right? <laughs> yeah, extreme ownership. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, when you started this, you knew that you wanted to do plant-based, obviously, um, but you also wanted to create a culture, it sounds like. Like, this this wasn't going to be a really, really good restaurant and not putting much thought into it. Like, on your homepage of your website, that was one of the things that resonated with me, you know, before we chatted for the first time, is you talk about, you know, what your goals are for the business, um, you know, providing make sure I say this right. So you're, it's a hundred percent vegan. Obviously it's dairy free, egg free, cruelty free, which I think is cool. But you also talk about how you take care of your workers. Like it's fair pay and not working too many hours and, and finding the balance, which yeah. is what we always talk about on boost health. And so I thought about this and I started thinking about like the different dimensions of wellness. There's, yeah. there's seven dimensions of wellness balance, which is occupational, social, intellectual, physical, emotional, spiritual, environmental. And you think about, I like to think about this with my different guests and, you know, whatever they do, are they sort of checking off those boxes? And typically that, that tends to be the case. So you could easily say occupational because people say work-life balance. Yeah. Well, what does work-life balance mean? Well, you automatically go to career and then life. Well, life is inclusive of quite a few of these dimensions, right? Yeah. If you're, if you're doing it right. So what I like is that you're helping people not just have balance because it's a good place to work, but you're, you're, whether you meant to or not, you're giving them balance at the workplace with the social, with the, with the intellectual, with the physical. Um, and so I, I think that's really great. You've gotten <laughs> the restaurant again. I can't believe it's only been open since May because you've got glowing reviews. People would, would kill for reviews like these. So sassy Hong Kong, Hong Kong trade development council, green queen, honeycombers live magazine. And then Tadler, which I understand can be a pretty tough customer at, uh, at the restaurants and other places, even gave you a really, really awesome review. So wh why, do you think, why do you think that is? Why do you think I got told by 15 or 20 people how great your place is? Um, why, why, I, I think I know why, because it's really high quality and it's, it's a good energy and a good culture. But what, why do you guess? I don't know, man. Sometimes I sit there and I go, I have to actually stop myself and go, wow, we're actually doing this. <laughs> you know because it all happens so I, fast, I, right? it's it's not until my kid is kind of showing off about me when people come into the restaurant and he happens to be there and he's like my mom owns this place oh nice and that's i'm cool. like shut up <laughs> don't tell them because 
maybe they'll complain, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, I, I don't know. I had no expectations about how this would go. And I've never done it before. So really, that's that's probably what was the golden opportunity. You know, it's like doing something when you don't have any expectations. Then you don't even have any fear. Because you just, yeah, everything is new, newly, like freshly trodden snow, right? Everything is like that. So um, even managing the team, you know, it's it's been a challenge. Um, but it hasn't been an out-of-this-world challenge that I don't think I can meet. The longer I do it, the more confident I become that I know what I'm doing. And that's the same with the restaurant, you know? The longer I do it, I'm like, oh, yeah, well, people actually do like this stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. And when people ask me, like, what was your inspiration? I'm like, dude, it's just food, (laughs) right? For me, this is like, this is what I would cook. This is what I like to cook. And I didn't realize that there actually isn't anything like this out there. And maybe what I created was essentially what I wanted that I didn't see out there. And so, so one thing, so, so sorry to interrupt you. So one thing that you do that you don't necessarily see at a plant-based restaurant is no salads. I love that sort of yeah. your rule <laughs> or threshold of, of no salads because you're right. Like, yeah, you go to a place and you're trying to find something that you can have as, you know, a, a, you know, a, a plant-based person. And, uh, and a lot of times it is a salad or the yeah. pasta with the meat removed or whatever. And you've got all these different types of dishes that you would really want to have, but, oh, mm-hmm. I can't have that because it's going to be too hard to get this or that. Yeah, off yeah, of yeah. And it's really like, uh, satiating. You yes. Know? I mean, that was the goal for me. I, I wanted to call it anything but salads, or whatever. <laughs> but my husband that, was yeah. like, no, no, that sounds negative. You know, like, like when you're taking something out that this does not have, like you're using yeah. a knot. So uh, I'm like, okay, fine. We'll just call it this, you know. We'd... So why confusion then? Um, uh, Spanish for with fusion. Oh, yeah. cool. And, and it's not even like I'm Spanish or anything, but I studied a lot of languages and I really like plays on words, you know. Um, the fact that we live in, in China is like confusion and that, that got that little bit of like Chinese uh, twist to it um but I've got all these ideas for even the next place that we open and that's also going to have a play on words um I just yeah Uh, for me fusion food is it you know it's it's nice to sort of eat something that you don't fully like know oh well yeah I think this is Mexican but well (laughs) What's <laughs> it got tofu in it, you know? Or um, when we do the hedgehog mushrooms, we spice them with tandoori spices. So uh, that goes into the sandwich. It goes into everything else, you know? It goes into a lot of dishes. But that spice, that's what gives it that little, like, well, what is this? Like, I want for people to be eating it and going, wow, what what's in this, you know? Are you, are you sure? The number of times I get like, wait, hang on. That's- How is this not... How is this not meat? Yeah. And I've had people that are meat eaters come and eat the burger and then they're like, this is what meat should taste like. Yes, yes. That's how I felt. That's and how I, I felt. found that so funny. And it's not like they weren't even drunk, you know, because <laughs> at, at that point we didn't even have a liquor license. So hearing that for me, it was like, I get goosebumps still when people turn to me and they go, that was amazing. Because for me, that's my reminder. Like, this is why I'm doing it. So I know you cooked in a restaurant Where i did didn't you, man oh, i was not cook. i was okay, not so like front, i was restaurant. not frontline or anything i was like uh uh what they call prep cook okay because i didn't realize i could work in a restaurant kitchen right i always held myself back from doing something like that because i thought oh you gotta go to culinary school that's how you become a chef mm-hmm. right 
um, the same way that you become a graduate because you went to university, you know, and I didn't, I went to university when I was 17. And so I, I ended up dropping out by the time I was like 19 or 20. I got pregnant with my son and that's, you know, my eldest son who now works with me. Um, oh, that's cool. I didn't yeah. Know that. So I never, I never finished college at that time. And so for 10 years, a decade, I stumbled in and out of jobs. And I say stumble, like people just thought I had promise and they hired me and I did prove that I had promise, but I never actually chose my vocation. I never chose the job I fell into. I just went in and I did it good. Right. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until this restaurant that I essentially chose something, you know, finding my purpose, finding my reason for being. And so... That's why it's that much more fulfilling what I'm doing now. Before, I would earn probably more than I'm earning now, but I was doing something that somebody else kind of gave me. It gave me the opportunity. I, and I want to touch on that because how you got there is a cool story. Um, but before before we move on, I wanted to understand where you drew draw your inspiration from for the creativity in your food. Is it, I know you've got Japanese and Indian heritage. Did you learn to cook certain things that you put into the food or your experience in the restaurant is it sort of a little bit of everything like it's a bit it's of really everything unique and really cool yeah it's not really i wouldn't even say that it was the experience i had in a restaurant what i what i hoped for when getting that job in a restaurant was that oh i'm gonna learn how things are run i'm gonna learn you know um I'd, i'll learn how to cook vegan food hmm. i didn't get to do that why because i was prepping you know what you're doing you're like washing 60 kilos of spinach and then you're you're cutting it and then you're blanching it. And, you know, that's all you're doing. You're not really cooking. Right. Or you learn how to make one specific thing. It's very, very like, uh, almost like working on an assembly line, you know? If you, really and I, 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 I liken <laughs> it to like, you know, imagine being on an assembly line at a doll factory and your job is purely to just paint the eyes on the doll. Oh, boy. Yeah. That will kill you, man. That will crush your spirit. And so that's pretty much what being a prep cook is. <laughs> it's just... You're, that's all you're doing. And and what I had hoped was like at some point I would see progress and I would see a chance for growth. I would see all of this. And then what I realized is no, there isn't. Uh, even same way within finance, you know, you find a spot and then that's where you get stuck. Mm -hmm. They might dangle the carrot in front of you and say like, yeah, if you just work harder and if you do more of this, then there's a chance of, no, the only chance is that you get paid more to stay where you are because you're good at what you're doing. Um, what I wanted to do even with this restaurant is to just create an opportunity where the staff can feel like there's a chance for growth. Whether or not I'm achieving it right now, I don't know, but I have plans and I want to, I don't want to just stop with this one place. I want to have two or three, um, and I'm looking at the staff, the full-time staff I have, and I'm thinking, I want one for you. I want one for you. I want one, you That's know, so cool. I mean, because I got into this and I own 50% of this company. How did I do that? I found the right partner. You know, he invested in it. He got 50%. I got 50%. And to me, I felt like I won the lottery. Okay. Am I working my ass off now? Of course I am. You know, um, he can't really contribute on that work side because he has a full-time job of his own. But it's almost like a luxury that I am in the position that I'm in that I own 50% of a company, of a company that isn't doing badly, you know, I right. mean, where we've already broken even. So for me, it's just a matter of like, if I was doing this purely for profit, you know, where would I, where would my mind be? But I'm not, I'm doing this because I'm building a future. 
I'm building a future for myself, yes, although I don't even know what that's going to look like. Uh, I don't, the future I'm building for myself is, is actually not even connected to this. It doesn't matter. I just want this to succeed. And if it can succeed, then I have an opportunity for people that are on the full-time staff to one day take over, uh, you know, the next one and the next one and that they own it 50%. Wouldn't that be great? Oh my gosh. I mean, cause they're young, you know, yeah. they're young, they got families. Uh, maybe some of them don't even have families yet. But they they sit there going, how? How can I ever own an apartment? How can I ever? You know, I want for them to actually change their mindset that you don't need to own an apartment. You can actually live anywhere. I mean, like, I live on a boat. It's really small. Do you really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, cool. nobody would have thought that I could have gone from like a 1,600 square foot apartment to what is essentially like all of us squeezed into 450 square feet, wow, you know? Cool. So it's just paradigm shift yes. you shift your thinking you realize you don't need it as much you consume less you do all of these things and you do it just almost overnight you know i read marie kondo that that lady who talks about the the art of cleaning up or i don't know I haven't read oh my gosh yeah <laughs> yeah m-a-r-i-e and her last name is k-o-n-d-o kondo she's japanese but she talks about essentially minimalism, you know, that's becoming a thing now where people don't consume as much, they don't buy stuff. You know, I literally have 25 items of clothing. Wow. That's it. And so, yeah, it means that I walk around looking like a schlep sometimes, no. but I can clean up, you know, I got yeah. the one or two items that I've saved <laughs> for a rainy day. But it made me change my perspective on everything. But it also made me, when I went vegan, it made me realize I'm not going to just throw out my leather shoes. All right. I'd had them for four years. They're perfectly fine. Nothing wrong with them. If I throw them out, that means I have to consume. I have to go and buy another pair to replace it. Sure. And yeah. let's face the reality of it. Most synthetic materials, that faux leather and all of that, they, they peel, they fall apart. Within a year, it's going to a landfill. It's not getting recycled. It's not getting upcycled. It's not getting anything. It's just getting chucked down. So this is the bit that I think people have to look at veganism a little bit more open-mindedly. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, I know the folks that that spend a lot of time trying to help people, convince people they, they get to, and I'm talking about like the hardcore, you know, PETA vegan yeah. types that would... If I say I'm a V, I'm careful even to say that I'm vegan. I really yeah, just say, say plant based because I do have a you know a few pairs of leather shoes and um, you know I don't want to say the wrong thing and correct get mixed up in the wrong philosophy because I do like the fact that since I'm not consuming animal products, I'm I'm helping in my own way. Yes, but I'm not to the point where I'm going to remove all of them from 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 my life. And and I think if if you shun somebody for that. I think that that's counterproductive. Honestly, it is. I know that's opinion, but I, if you're if you're making as many people just have that sort of bad taste in the yes. mouth about the V word, how many people are we scaring away from it? You know, that are sort of plant curious. Yes, I don't know if that that's the best thing to do. That, I think that's been my big mission, really. I, I didn't know that was it, but it's become my mission with the restaurant. Is that there are? Uh, I, I think like initially I was listed on one of those like uh, vegan restaurant lists or whatever, mm -hmm. and then I've been taken off of it. And You're why? Because me. I use the impossible, impossible meat. 
Um, and initially, even for me, it was like a big deal, like, oh, should I use it? Should I not? And then I did my research just asking around, asking around like moderate vegans and even like sort of hardcore vegans, but ones that could, you know, reason about like, what's the end goal? The end goal for me would be that everybody goes plant-based. Okay. Yeah. That's my end goal. Whether or not I actually sit there on a, on a soapbox shouting it and saying you should start eating more vegetables. I don't do that. Why? Because people make that choice. You make that choice yourself. You know, if you have to wait until you have a heart attack before you make that choice, that's a sad place to wait until. Mm -hmm. But hopefully you can realize beforehand. Like, look at me. I had a health scare and that changed the way I eat. But a heart attack that can come out of nowhere. You might not get that chance to actually make that choice after that because you could be dead. So these are the diseases of affluence. You know, cancer can move slower. Cancer can move fast. Uh, you know, diabetes, by, that, by the time you get to being diabetic, I mean, your diet would have been pretty bad for a lengthy period of time. Right. That's true. Um, and in the Philippines, a lot of people have diabetes, like my helper, is because of, because of the way that they eat. They eat a lot of pork. They eat a lot of fried food. You know, that's just the norm because why? It's an extremely hot country. The chance for bacteria to grow on stuff is like greater. Maybe not everybody has refrigeration. Oh, you know what I mean? So I so fried that. food, even in India, if I'm traveling, if I'm going to eat on the side of a anywhere, I'll eat something that's been deep fried. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know, wow, you want to wow. avoid, you don't eat salads, you don't eat raw stuff. It's a bad idea. Interesting. I that's how a lot that. of people get that's deli belly, you know, in India, because they'll eat, eat at a fancy restaurant, but they'll eat salad. Oh, I see. Uh, that's a surefire way because it's the water that it's been washed in could have a lot of uh, parasites in it. So just this is just common sense things. I say common sense, but it's not common sense. You know, not everybody knows these things. So eating a lot of spice, I, <laughs> I eat yeah. a lot of chilies when I travel in third world countries. And it's just to me. Maybe it's psychological. I don't know. But I believe that that's going to kill everything, <laughs> you know? Idea, well, I think, I think we're onto something with, you know, promoting plant-based, you know, you sort of ask yourself, is this uh, a fad? And um, I, I think the answer is no. I, I did a little it's bit of It's not a fad. I mean, I think like there was a recent article um, where like the carnivore king or something, this Argentinian uh, chef that uses a ton of meat in his food. And he's talking about how, yeah, in 30 years time, everybody's going to be vegan. 30 years. Is the carnivore king. Okay? Carnivore king. That's he says cool. that's where the world is going. I mean, even he's trying to have more plant-based stuff on his menu. There's, uh, there's an article on Forbes.com um, that makes the argument that plant-based is no fad. And this is based on, from Forbes, it's going to be about money, right? Yeah. So there's plant-based alternatives being added to, get this, Kentucky Fried Chicken, KFC, yeah, White Castle, which is a burger place in the U.S., TGI Fridays and Morningstar Farms, which is yeah. big like breakfast sausage food. They're all investing in plant-based alternatives because they know there's money there. Yeah. And, McDonald's. I mean, McDonald's. Yeah, is McDonald's, getting... exactly. Um, so impossible who, you know, about obviously beyond they're both getting backing from Bill Gates amongst yeah. other notable investors. Yeah. Um, this is interesting too. So, um, meat substitutes have grown in sales by over 9%. This is in the U S I think from 2012 to 2017, but I think this is the most interesting. Um, a market research firm found that 60% of us customers want to get a mix of protein from meat and plants in their diets. And this is in the U.S. 
60% of people are at least trying to get a variety. I think that's a really good sign that the, uh, the education, the documentaries, the, the amount of people that are at least plant curious and yeah. dabbling in it is, is growing. It's not just like this, you know, a little fad diet that's out for there sure. Right I mean, I think like, like James Cameron, the big director, he's mm-hmm. gone vegan like a few, several years ago, but I think his wife has just released, I don't know, a book or a documentary. I'm not sure, but she's talking about how, you know, drastic change can be made like real impact on how much like water you're consuming and all of that through what you're eating um, by changing one meal a day to completely plant-based. Wow. Like, you know how people are doing this green Monday thing, right? Okay. Just going plant-based once a week. That's just three meals. You know, if you change one meal a day to being completely plant-based, you know, the impact is something like 200,000 liters of water or something like something crazy. Um, So, if people could see that, like, come on, do you really need eggs and bacon and stuff at breakfast? If you just change your breakfast to like oatmeal, oatmeal, berries, whatever, a smoothie, if that's what you want to have, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, uh, for me, I'm happy to skip breakfast because I, I intermittent fast. I don't have like, there's no crazy like, yeah, I got to eat breakfast. Otherwise, my day is not complete. So intermittent fasting, you could just skip it. You don't sure. even have to eat breakfast. You, it becomes something that you don't even have to think about. You don't have to plan that meal. Right. So why not? If you could just skip one one meal a day or if you could skip eating meat one meal a day, your impact on the environment is already drastically, you know, felt. Oh, absolutely. And I want to talk about fasting for a second too, but it would be nice if, if they did, maybe it's a lunch or a dinner or a breakfast or whatever, but... I would like to see them note how they feel after that plant-based meal. And if they're doing it every day, that might resonate with them um, and maybe even stick to it more if they notice that, hey, maybe I do feel a little bit less groggy and have a little bit more energy after I ate that meal and I don't have as much, you know, gas and bloating afterwards. I mean, I know someone who's like drastically overweight, right? Unhealthy. And like when, whenever I talked about veganism, that, that he would literally mock me. Like, ah, ha, ha, you vegans or whatever. But his daughter went vegan, right? His young daughter. And then he, I guess, I mean, he was always walking around with a quite quite a large gut, you know, ahead of him. Um, I think there's some rule about if your gut touches the wall before your nose does, you're like a really good candidate for heart disease. Uh, <laughs> I haven't heard that. That yes, makes a lot of sense. Yes, but you can imagine that, right? Sure. There's a lot of people walking around with their gut touching the wall before your nose. So, um he switched recently to a 60% plant-based 60, diet. Okay. So he's like vegan 60% of the time. And then he intermittent fasts. So he fasts one day a week where he's just sipping on like broth or, or so water. So 24-hour yeah. fast? Cool. And in three months, I think he lost something like 15 kilos. Holy moly. Just on 60%? Yeah, That's 60%. Great. I mean, and he's and he's eating stuff like, what we would call processed vegan food, okay? Sure, like yeah. the, the, the vegan, vegan sausages, the vegan hot dogs, uh, got, like um, uh, burgers. You know, he's eating the impossible. He's eating beyond. And he's happy, you know, because that's kind of what got him to where he is now. But he's lost all this weight and his, his bad cholesterol has completely plummeted to nothing. Yes. You know, I mean, awesome. like like his cholesterol levels are completely normal. The doctor was like, what are you doing? You know, and he says, well, I've just changed what I eat to this. He's not completely given up meat. He's not given up alcohol. You know, he's just cut it down drastically. 
and his his blood work shows it. That's awesome. And his gut is gone like down by half. Wow. You know, he's still a very short, stocky, kind of wide to the sides kind of man, but he looks healthier too. You know, his face, his skin is just glowing. That's and great. so I can't even bring up like, yo, dude, you remember those times that you were making fun of me? And I'm just like, dude, I'm really happy for you. I can't feel anything but happy for somebody like that, yeah, you know, where awesome. they're, they're seeing the light and then they're telling me about the documentaries they've been watching <laughs> and all the research they've been doing and they're trying to school me on it. And I'm like, mm, <laughs> yeah, I won't say anything about that yeah, either. <laughs> no, I told you so. Yeah. Well, really quick on, I've had you for a really long time. I, I know you need to get back and get oh, ready no, for lunch. Oh no, it's because I talk too much. <laughs> no, it's great. Um, fasting. So I'm, I'm the same as you. I do a daily overnight fast. Um, so between 12 to 16. Yeah. Um, and I found great benefit for that. And I usually exercise in the morning and fasted, which, which is great too. Um, I'm intrigued to try what your friend has tried, which is the occasional 24 hour fast. I was listening to Dr. Stephen Cabral recently on mind pump. And one thing he does with patients that have disease is a 24 to a 48 hour fast. Um, I can't remember the, I think it's called autophagy or yes. something like that, where your body has to consume dying cells in order to feed itself. Exactly. And, and so, so you're, you're fighting seeing, off disease. Exactly. So if you know, everybody after a certain age has buildup of a certain number of cancer cells. And so this is his way to, as you said, to die off those cells. And it's really, really intriguing. And so, you know, just as a preventive measure, um, even if you don't have known disease to, to throw a one or two of those in every month, yeah. sounds like a really good idea. So I'm, I'm, I'm scared. Well, I'm actually, I'm so scared, a, but it sounds really cool. I'm a, I'm a firm believer even in the power of fasting because, um, when I was trying to get pregnant with my second child, um, cause my husband and I, he's, uh, you know, uh, my oldest son is from a previous marriage. So by the time I met my husband and we decided to, to get married and have kids, um, I was already in my mid thirties. Mm -hmm. So we tried, you know, oh, let's just go the natural route, blah, blah, blah. And a year later, despite us being, you know, I would say healthy and like avoiding alcohol and all of this to make this happen, we were still not pregnant. So, um, we were getting ready to like go see a doctor about fertility because they say you got to try at least one year before you can get fertility treatment. Oh, okay. Um, but then I read about fasting and how, like, if you can just drop your body weight, even two or three kilos, like a certain percentage, um, then you have a, almost like a reset. You have a chance of like getting pregnant. Really? Yes. So, so I did this where I, you know, you know, that Beyonce lemonade diet or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just like, okay, well, I don't think I can survive on just water. So I'll like make this lemonade -y stuff. It's like lemon juice and, and like maple syrup or something. And I did that for 10 days. And holy moly, first of all, by about day three or day four, my husband wasn't even allowed to cook in the house because I was like, I can smell that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I could literally smell everything. And now my, my eyesight became better. My hearing was better. You know, my senses were just like through the roof. By about day five, I, I lost that feeling of hunger. Wow. And, um, you know, even though I had read like, don't go do any physical exercise, don't exert yourself. And I, I, was, I was bored. I mean, like, so I would go swimming and it was like I was able to have these really peaceful, joyful swims. Like, you know, when you're dreaming and you dream that you're swimming. It's like meditating. Like that kind yeah. of beauty of swimming and just really being present in everything. And when I made it to about day nine, I was like, dude, I could totally go another week. 
like this. I felt so good. Wow. That's amazing. But then day 10 came around and I was like, well, do I go another four days? Do you think that'd be dangerous? You know? And so I just like, okay, you know, screw it. Let's go back to eating again. And that was a struggle. My God, getting back to eating again. Hmm. But that next month I got pregnant. Really? That's yeah. so cool. I mean, I literally dropped something like six kilos over the course of 10 days. And then, of course, three of those came back. Yeah. But three stayed off. What, what, you know, was it the weight? Was it the weight plus maybe some, you know, clearing out of yeah, toxins? Exactly. That were, exactly. You know, and, you know, I think it's worth mentioning, too, like you had a healthy relationship with food. Yes. Um, and still do. And so I think it's always worth saying, you know, if you're. We both can Correct. fast because we have a healthy relationship. Correct. If you have somebody that has an eating disorder, fasting is yes, is a, a really, choice. really bad idea. Because, like I said, there's that temptation to keep going. Yes. Because you feel good. You feel good, exactly. and you feel like, oh, I got loads of energy. But actually, there is a certain threshold after which, like, okay, I know that, uh, especially after doing the the, the plant based nutrition course, that you know somebody has like fasted almost a year. Good lord. And, you know, under medical supervision and stuff and been just fine. That is incredible. So so I can make it 24 hours. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but this is, again, where people can understand, especially people that don't have this unhealthy, like, uh, relationship with food, but that have an unhealthy relationship with food on the other way where they eat too much and, and yes. they're, oh, my God, I haven't eaten lunch. I'm going to die. Right. Like, no, dude, yeah, you could totally right. go <laughs> days and days and days without food and you're not... It's not you. It's not going to hurt you at all, and that's what it helps reset. Is this thinking of like I need to eat? I missed lunch. Oh, oh, oh! What's going to happen to me? Nothing's going to happen to you. You're going to be just fine. Yeah, absolutely. your body is like geared for that. Periods of fasting and periods of like plenty. The problem is people are so used to the periods of plenty that that's why they're overweight. That's why they are full of inflammation, and that's why they seem to think that they need to be eating. Yeah. And that's that, you know, you're creating to your point on about inflammation, you're creating an environment that's high in cortisol, that's inflamed, that there's an environment that's rich for building all kinds of disease. And so giving yourself time to rest the body and regenerate cells is, is really smart. And you can see why fasting goes back as far back as we know, because it's just, it's intuitively, it's something that's really good for us. Correct. And even with my restaurant, I don't have, like, people ask, have you got a set menu? And I'm like, no, because I hate set menus, you mm -hmm. know? You end up eating you end up eating stuff you didn't really want to eat just because you wanted to save money. Right. You know, you're like, oh, oh, this one has a soup or a salad, and then it's got the main, and then it's got a dessert, and it's got a cup of coffee at the end, and it's only 138. But yeah. actually, none of it is necessary. So for me, I'm like, I'd rather give somebody one whole meal that that would make them feel full absolutely if they still want something more they can add a super a salad for 10 bucks which place is still selling you a super a salad for 10 bucks my place <laughs> <Yeah>, exactly. <laughs> but, but you know i mean water is there it's free water should be free if they want to get a bottle drink they can i mean there's only so much upsell i can do within my restaurant the rest of it is down to a person's choice you want to eat a, a dessert sure i've got one you know i'm not going to give you a dessert that's going to be so like I've seen there's like reviews where somebody said, oh, the piece of cheesecake was rather small. I'm like, actually, what do you want for 50 bucks? <laughs> That's pretty okay? good. Yeah. I mean, like, tell me, tell me how big a piece of cheesecake you were hoping for for 50 <laughs> bucks. But also from a health perspective, 
is it such a good idea for me to give you half the cheesecake? Yeah, absolutely. It's not. <laughs> so am I actually doing this because I want to rip you off? Because if I wanted to rip you off, I'd charge you more than 50 bucks. Uh, your, your food is for the quality that you're receiving. I, I couldn't believe. I think the burger and fries I had were like 145 or yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. Uh, Hong Kong dollars. for And no service and, charge, mind you. Yeah, no service charge, which... The, the, quickly, let's bring this up. This is important. So a lot of restaurants in Hong Kong, uh, which was new to us moving from the U.S. charge a 10% service charge. And so we really weren't sure, do we tip on top of that? We just assumed you did. Um, and then a lot of our friends said, oh, no, no, you don't you don't tip on top of that. The server gets that 10%. But that's not always the case. From, no, from that's not always me. the case. That's so... For those of you that just assume that the server is being taken care of, a lot of times the house or the restaurant is is actually taking yeah. that money. So it's, I think it's worth making sure you take care of your server, especially exactly. If you food and I mean, there's job. a saying, right? You can tell how you can tell what kind of a person someone is by how they treat their servers. I mean, a lot of wait staff they've been on their feet for like God knows how long. Sure, yeah. Right? There, some of them, and and in in uh, places where they aren't really well taken care of, they're working split shifts, okay? So they could be in in the morning and then they're allowed to like bugger off for about three hours halfway through the day. It's not allowed. They're forced to take that time off and then they got to come back for the evening shift. That's a long day. Yeah. So, I mean, does it make sense that say if your soup wasn't as perfect as you hoped that you start shouting at this guy? (laughs) No, it's not him that made it, you know, but... Just little microaggressions, you know, that I see a lot of people carry with them throughout the day. They affect other people. And that's why even in the way that I manage my staff, I'm very careful about how I communicate with them. Mm-hmm. You know, I've taken communication courses and stuff. I don't know whether that means I'm a better communicator or whether I actually am more mindful of the effect my communication has on other people. Oh, yeah. It's it's huge. I mean, it's we talked about being a leader earlier. It's if you're out there getting your hands dirty and working with them and communicate, it's, it's just the golden rule, I guess. I mean, just treating people the way you would want to be yeah. treated and you're going to get respect. You're, I have two things and then I've got to let you go because it's, okay. it's getting late. So you're an insanely productive person. No, <laughs> n- nobody opens a restaurant in Hong Kong in five months. That's just incredibly cool and, and, and very productive. You, We'll have to have you back on again because there's like five or six things <laughs> I didn't get to ask You're you. You're like those I, two. No, that's five. Oh. I, I, I've got to let you go. But you you took a development course um, and you talked about fear of like getting over fear of unknowns. Like yeah. how many unknowns do you think there were in starting a restaurant? Millions, I'm sure. Yes. Everything, really. Everything. Because yeah. I'd never done it before. So I talked to one of my guests a couple months ago, Dr. Chris Zeno, about what he calls speed of implementation. Right. Um, which is something I lack, but I'm working on. <laughs> um, and I also studied this when I was working on my MBA. There's this thing called agile project management, which I would also reckon is about the same as speed of implementation. So the way my brain works is it's like apps or Google or Facebook, they're going to ready fire aim. They're yeah. going to put something out there, see how it does in the market, learn from it. And then it's okay if you make mistakes, fix your mistakes, put it back out there. Yeah. And I think if you want to be productive and successful, you almost have to operate a little bit that way where it's okay if you make a mistake. Correct. Don't be scared of the unknown. Correct. Just, just go for it. 
Yeah. And, and you know, when you and I first talked about getting together, you're like, yeah, let's get together tomorrow or the next day. And, and that's something I've personally had to work on. So my question for you is, were you built like that? Are you wired that way? Or did you have to sort of learn that through your personal development? Course? I think I'm wired that way. And I learned that this is how I am. And this is my being through taking that course. Now, this, oh, this, this whole uh, aspect of my personality, I guess, is something that used to kind of rub my husband the wrong way. You know, like say if we, if we were looking at apartments or something and I would see, okay, that's in the right price range. That looks pretty good. Let's do it. And then you'd be like, oh my God, you know, he's like, this is what you're going to be like. Let's do it. We we should have just bought the very first one. I was like, what's wrong with the very first one? A lot of people don't realize this, you know, sometimes if that one's good and it it fits within all of your, your uh, parameters, do it. What's stopping you? But people are scared. Like people always ask me, oh, why you have so many tattoos? You know, I mean, I I don't know if I could get a tattoo. Like I'd be worried I'd want to, you know, get it removed. And I'd always look at them and I go, wow, shit, you obviously don't make any real decisions (laughs) with your life or, or you don't trust yourself for anything. Right. Why would, have you ever thought about getting your tattoos removed? And I'm like, why would I have gotten them if that was my plan? Right. Exactly. And, and so I figured like little by little, I started to realize maybe there is something completely different about the way my mind works. You know, uh, if I see something, I commit to it then, um, because I'm not going to wait until later because when I come back to it, it might be twice as expensive or it might be like gone. You know, the opportunity only comes so many times in your life. And if you don't leap at it, regardless of how fearful you are, uh, how the outcome could be, you're just never going to find out, right? And if you wait and wait and wait, you'll miss the boat. So Yes. And so if you would have done that with the 250,000 different decisions that you had to make in starting a business and a restaurant, a brick and mortar location in a big city you would still not be open today. Right? Well, I was actually looking to raise double the amount of money that I managed to raise in the end. So I was hoping to make, uh, I was hoping to raise X amount. And then I got told, oh no, I can only give you this much. And so-, so There was some hustling going oh, on. Oh yeah, there. but instead of like sitting there and looking at that as a setback and going, ah, oh, that's it. I can't do it now. I said, all right, if I can only raise this much. And the more I thought about it, I'm like, I don't want to get a second investor. Or a second and a third, and then everybody's got an opinion about what kind of food I got to cook. You know, I, I don't want to have to uh, answer to that many people. Not because I hate authority or anything. Okay, I might have a little bit of a struggle with it. But I was looking for somebody that was going to give me creative, you know. Control. Yes. Yes. Um, and that's what I got. And even for him, it was a huge gamble, you know, because he was like curing it from one side, the other side, like, oh, my God, this person has no experience. Why would you put this money into her? You want you to give it to charity. Yeah. That's what he'd, he'd been told that by by someone. But, you know, he just kind of trusted it. And, and it's ended up being like this wonderful experience for him because he's just like, wow, I get to see how much people love what you're doing. And I feel like I'm a part of it. Absolutely. And, and he gets to feel all of this joy that comes from this experience. Without us being hung up on the fact that we got to make a ton of money, you know? I mean, it's crazy. It's a really crazy idea to think that you would start a business so that people can pay their bills. Right? Okay, granted, I got to pay them first. But then what I'm creating is that all of these guys have a place that they come to. 
And then since you work there, like you're, you're spending more time with your work colleagues than you are with your family. Mm-hmm. So it better be nice. Absolutely. It better be a place that you're like happy to go to, that you feel contented with contributing towards, and that you also feel taken care of. And, What's so hard about that? And, and that, it's not. And, and it's intuitive because if you create a place where people are happy to work, um, you're going to maintain those talent and you're going to continue to improve your products because you've got this talent that you're able to, to maintain. And you can feel that energy when you go into a place, whether it's a restaurant or a retail store or whatever, if there's, if there's a healthy culture there, it's palpable. Yes. And, and smart business owners are aware of that and take good care of the people. But I'm also a firm believer that when it comes to food, food tastes better when it comes from someone that's happy. I like that. Okay. I mean, like, I mean, I remember my mom went through this phase of doing herbal life and like dieting and like she was sucking down all these shakes and stuff to lose weight. And the food that she cooked, oh my God, it was like an afterthought. (laughs) It was so bad. We'd be sitting there going, oh, I can't wait till mom stops dieting, you know, because then we wouldn't have to eat this crap. Um, So to a great extent, whenever she was in this unhappy with herself phase, where she was trying to lose weight, where she felt fat, where she felt miserable about herself, the food that she gave us reflected that. Interesting. You know, it might not, it was almost like she didn't put any thought into what, she was just trying to throw the food out. She didn't want to smell it. She didn't want to have, because she wasn't going to eat it, right? She was cooking it for us because that's what she had to do. Sure. So that, you will see that at restaurants where you're eating that meal and then you're like, wow, this kind of feels like somebody just did their job. It wasn't, it wasn't about that they were trying to make sure that I'm fed and right. I'm happy and I'm content and I walk away with a bit of joy in my heart. I mean, I saw your face. After you <laughs> ate that burger, you were just like, oh my God. And my husband said to me, he's like, yeah, that guy there, he said that he almost felt guilty about it. Yeah, this. I, did. I and, did. And I was like, yeah. You it, know? T- it was like there was... I don't want you to give away your secrets, but there was some flavors that you managed to harness in that food. That yeah, we ferment our it. own ketchup. You know, I mean, like that's Who why. Who does some, that? That's well, pretty cool. some people ask me, like, can I get some ketchup? You know, for dipping their fries, and I have to tell them, like, dude, it's not ketchup the way that you know it. This is very it's thick. not corn syrup. And- yeah, it's very thick, and it's like got a slightly fermented taste. Um, it's probably not appealing on its own. But, you know, the flavor profile, these are these all these fancy little words that I'm (laughs) learning now where I'm like, oh, I get it. You know, these things that I was doing that was kind of part of my nature, they've actually got words for it. They've got terms for it. This (laughs) is what people learn in culinary school, you know, about the balancing of this, that and the other. These things, I didn't, it's not like it came naturally to me, but I had a natural curiosity for it. I didn't have to know the name for it. I didn't have to be able to define it, but I was doing it. So to some degree, I'm proud of everything that we've achieved, proud of the team that that has actually managed to sort of like implement all of this and contribute towards it. And for me, it isn't just about like, I opened a restaurant and I'm so awesome. (laughs) No, it's just like, I wouldn't actually be able to run this restaurant, own it, anything without everybody that made the team happen. You know, from my business partner trusting somebody that had never even worked as a chef you know, all the way down to like me and the team, like 
fist bumping each other and calling each other chef you know we're like it's <laughs> an inside cool. joke or like hey how's it going chef hey <laughs> chef what's up chef yeah. and we've had people come in where they're like oh thank you chef you know they say that to me and i still find it hilarious <laughs> like, ah. and i'm like well actually technically this is what i'm doing but you know come on it's like calling me a a, a graduate you know from like a master's program when i haven't done it so I, I have respect for people that have done the, the legwork, you know, the study, and that's why they're called a chef. But at the same time, everybody that's working in my kitchen, they're no less. Yes, absolutely. It, and I'm just thinking about the customer, like the different types of customers that, that you must see come in there. It's probably interesting. You have somebody like me who's been plant-based for a while, who's been to those types of restaurants before and worked really hard on my own. Um, to get foods that I prepare at home and then sort of have had bad experience and good experiences yeah. navigating when I eat out. And then to have something like that where I'm not saying this just because you're on my show and I really like your overall philosophy. It's just darn good really is. And so you've got somebody like me and then maybe it's uh, somebody that works down the road at IFC that brings their friend who's never really tried a, a yeah. plant-based restaurant before who maybe is, curious about it so I, I i just think that's probably something cool that you see happening with i do i mean of like majority of the people that come in they're not necessarily vegan or they're not necessarily plant-based majority yeah Interesting. and the ones that are vegan and plant-based they're just like so grateful <laughs> like, me, like like wow i can out. come here i don't have to ask you does this have cheese does this have this it seems like a small thing but it's huge you just it look is. at the menu and say i can have whatever i want yes it's huge you don't have to sidestep you don't have to ask any questions about whether this has chicken stock you know we use like a no msg mushroom stock like mushrooms are just very really really high on uh the umami factor you know um so most of our stuff for me, it's like, I don't even think about it because I've kind of been cooking like this at home anyway. Right. Um, but I, I'm becoming present to exactly how epic it is for other people yes. that have had to, you know, go somewhere else and that have had to struggle to find that one dish on the menu that they can eat. And, and, and they don't have to just sit there and limit themselves to salad and fries anymore. Yes. You know, <laughs> That's so they true. can actually, they bring a lot of their omnivore friends to the restaurant and they're just like... They're like yeah. literally like excited to share this. And you can see the omnivores come in and they look like, yeah. and they all order the burger. They do. Right. Because okay. they're just like, okay, I can't, I don't even know what all this other stuff on the menu is. I'm just going to do the burger. And they eat the burger and then they're just like, holy crap. That's plain. That was really good. <laughs> you know, they're like yeah. really, really shocked. People that come in, even just off the street, at the end of it, they turn to me and go, my God. You know, when they're handing back this plate, they're like, that, that was really good. Like, they're, what they're saying is, my gosh, I'm totally surprised. <laughs> I did not expect that. that. Yeah. It's so for me, that's the bit that I'm like, oh, wow. What we're doing, we think it's so normal and we think it's so simple, but it's not. It's not. So I'm becoming present to that, that what we're doing, it's pretty, pretty awesome. Last question. Mm. You're a good person to ask this. I ask this of, of all of my guests, but I'm interested for your answer. How do you find your balance? And we talked about the different wellness dimensions before. Think about, you know, sort of daily, annually, however you want to think about it. How do you find your own personal balance? It's tough, man. I think the, the balance part is a matter of being mindful. 
you know i don't necessarily meditate i wish i could i really plan on it from time to time and then when i'm lying there meditating somebody always calls hmm. and it's like oh yeah i was delivery coming in or whatever maybe i just need to be finding the right time to meditate but i'm like sleep is so important these days um how i find the balance is to actually be mindful and be present when i am present you know i don't get to spend that much time with my kids like i see them in the morning before they go to school so i kind of try to wake up even though i'm like tired as hell and then i'm present you know i'm present to like their little squabbles i'm present to like mama feed me even though you're five years old it's like <laughs> okay i'll make that happen you know um pop him onto the sandpan and then i don't get to see them for the rest of the day because i'm working until 9 30 10 so they're already in bed you know so my husband is working his full-time job coming back he's putting them to bed he's doing all these things you know taking them swimming and and I'm kind of aware, like, I could sit there and focus on that and be like, shit, I'm, I'm missing out on all these things. But at the same time, when I see them on Sunday, it's like nothing ever happened, you know? Like, we're just, I do everything that I can to just show them I am here and I am present. And so you are loved. Everything that I'm doing is like because I want for this better future yes yes and i want for them to see and they they are seeing it i mean it was the other day my son started to cry because i had a day off on monday right it was yesterday he started to cry at some point and then he says i really miss you when i go to school oh. and i was just like oh, i felt like heartbroken you know like like somebody oh, this is yours <laughs> i think <laughs> but um my parents worked, you know, and I didn't necessarily have a good relationship with my parents, but I blame that on boarding school. I blame it on a number of things. Um, but also they were very authoritarian, so different kind of setup. So for me, it's not about that I'm spending all this time away from them. It's about what am I doing? Where am I here when I am with them? Yes. And that's it. That's all I can give them right now. And it might seem like little in the eyes of many people, but to me, it's huge. Just being present, not sitting on my phone, not, not you know, uh, saying, shh, while well, I'm on my computer doing work emails or whatever. Matter of fact, my work emails are always so far behind. <laughs> uh, the, it's like the least of my problems. As long as the food is good, that's I don't care about these emails or anything. Yeah. But um, that's my balance, you know? I go to jujitsu. Initially, I was like really gung-ho. I'm like, I need to find this, you know, way to release stress. So I signed up for like, you know, PTs and I was doing three times a week. But I found by about Friday, I was like dead, you know? Oh, yeah. I didn't have any energy. I, my heart wasn't in it. I was like, oh. you know, I was racketing hard in my head. Like, I hate this. I don't want to go. Why am I doing oh, I spent the money. I'm like, I'm an idiot. But then I... I recentered and i said okay twice a week let's make it twice a week let's try and even make it in the morning when i still got energy you know it's quiet at the restaurant in the morning i can nip out go do my one hour and come back so jujitsu to a great extent without actually even trying without breaking a sweat you know sometimes i feel like eh, why am i even doing this i i stay fit you know i'm not uh, my weight has stayed the same um, I'm the same weight I was when I was 19 years old, you nice. know, could I lose a bit of weight? Maybe, but I'm heading into menopause, you know, um, I think thanks to, um, thanks to like tests that I had done, I know that my, my levels of hormones are already dropped and they're perimenopausal. Um, I tried to take maca root, I tried to take all these other things, but they also have these funky things that it makes you, after a while of taking it, you're like, oh, I'm not so sure, I feel so great, you know? Okay. Um, so the CBD, 
that has really helped being on a vegan diet that has helped um you know i don't have and also avoiding alcohol I find that if I drink alcohol, then I get these what feels like menopause like symptoms, you know, because your hormones get kind of like wacky. Yeah, and then yeah. you have this like sudden like oh, sweats and and, you know, like jitteriness, anxiety, all of this stuff that comes with it. Does that mean I'll completely stop like saying, yeah, no, I can't drink because I don't want to have these symptoms? No, I'll probably still have a drink from time to time. I just don't drink that often. Because uh, I know exactly how it makes me feel. And that could be just how, like, my liver's trying to handle the toxic load, right? With anything. I, I just, if if I eat, like, uh, processed food or whatever, you know, I have that same sort of reaction. Yes. So yeah. I, I'm aware of the fact that I got to be mindful with everything I'm doing. I'm not always successful, but I don't beat myself up about it, you know? I still, I know that my kids know, I tell them, but I show them. I love them and I'm here for them. And they've still got a very uh, hands-on other parent. You know, it would be different if both of us were completely absent and then they were being brought up by a helper, you know. Um, We've got an amazing helper. Like I said, she's vegan with us. So we're all pretty peaceful in the house and everything goes okay, you know. Um, When I go to work, I'm mindful of how I communicate with my staff. Um, There are times that I struggle. Because, you know, there's a lot of like, am I doing this right? Because, you know, Um, but balance, you know, there's when I read that book, Ikigai, the one I told you about, what it talks about is when when you are truly present to what you're doing and you're joyful about it, there's no boundary between what you call work and what you call play. All of it is the same thing. Hmm. And that's what I'd hope to achieve is that when I go to work, that's my reason for getting out of bed, not my reason to make money, not my reason to like stress, not my reason to do anything, but be like, I'm here because I choose this. That, yeah. So Ikigai real quick. So that's the Japanese formula for, for happiness. And it's got these intersecting circles. And yeah. so what you love, what the world needs, what you can be paid for, what you're good at and sort of figuring out what that is. Yeah. It sounds like the restaurant and and cooking and nourishing people is is that for you yeah i mean i could i could sort of very easily and it has happened you know over the course of the last five six months where i get kind of bogged down with just physical stress or emotional stress and then i start to feel resentful and i start and i'm totally mindful of this i'm present to it uh no amount of going to meditate is going to change that but i always come back to the center of like I chose this, you know, you chose this. I remind myself, like, why did you choose it? And then you remind yourself all the reasons you need to be grateful, you know, that I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful we're doing well. I'm grateful I have this incredible team. And suddenly you're back to being present to like, this is awesome. What am I complaining about? Yeah. Occupational wellness. The most important thing um, is purpose. Yeah. Is, Is sense of purpose of what you're doing with work, whatever it is. Yeah. And so it sounds like you've definitely tapped into that. That's yeah. Fantastic. Most, most people could do with just a little bit of like gratitude yeah. for the job they have, you know, without that job, you wouldn't be able to pay your bills without that job. You wouldn't be able to take your holiday. Um, people get bogged down with the everydayness of it. Yeah. Just because work, work is going to feel like work. 
yeah. some of the time, a lot of the time. But if you have a sense of purpose and are grateful, that that makes a tremendous difference. With yes. Balance, for sure. And you feel like you are contributing. And if you don't feel like you're contributing where you are, you need to find a way to bring that feeling into your life. Yes. Because maybe it was never there. Maybe what you need is a complete and utter change of job. Uh, before you realize like, oh, wow, this is what makes me happy. But if you tack on the value of money to that and like, oh, well, I won't be happy unless I make X amount, then you might never be happy. Sure. All right. I think we did it. I think we did it, Lisa. Thank you so much for doing the show today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening. Also, thank you very much to my guest, Lisa Terauchi, for joining the show today. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show in your podcast app. Please leave a review on the Boost Health Facebook page. You can also subscribe to the Boost Health TV YouTube channel and watch the shows there. Please follow along on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. On any of those, just search for My Boost Health. And you can also visit the Boost Health website at myboosthealth.com for links to everything along with more motivation and information. And until next time, this is Paul Sandberg for Lisa Terauchi saying goodbye and find your balance.